to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. God, I, I'm glad, I'm excited, I'm excited that the children are here as well. Um, we're going to be talking about something, and in fact, I'm going to tell you where to turn, but let's pray first, right? You look so familiar. That's Maddie. Maddie, there we go. I'm glad you're here. For a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're here, you too, Annette. Patrick, would you do us the honor of praying us in? Thank you. Father, we thank you this evening for this opportunity to gather together in Jesus' name. We have an expectation that the Holy Spirit will have insight and revelation for us this evening. Yes. Speak your blessing upon Mary that you gave her to yes. speak forth kindly and clearly that which you've given to her. We may receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. All right, let's turn to Isaiah. We're going to go to chapter 56. It's not a place where we normally go. But in asking the Lord what he would have for us tonight, because I know when we come here, we come wanting word. We want to hear from the Lord. We want to know more of who he is, and we want to experience him as well. And I was thinking of, of the song where... Um, Lazarus, get up out of the grave, you know, we don't, we're not the same people anymore, and, and there was a time when I was in Bible school, which was a long time ago, um, there was a move of the Holy Spirit, there was revival going on, and um, many had been praying for the Lord to be moving, and I was like, I was seeing it left, right, in front of me, behind me, and I was not experiencing it, and I know I got serious with God, I, and so everybody else went to prepare for chapel, and I was walking back and forth saying, Lord, here is John, chapter 11, and I was reading it out loud because it talks about Lazarus, and as you know, my last name is Lazaritus, and I said, Lord, you raised Lazarus from the dead. This is, I know I know you. I know I've received you, but in the midst of revival, I am feeling quite dead, <laughs> and so with that earnest prayer of desperation, sometimes it has to come to that. I went into chapel and I felt something stirring on the inside, inside. And I was like, what is this? So I turned to my girlfriend and I said, this is what I'm feeling. What's going on? She said, well, when you were saved, did you know what happened? And I said, well, no, I guess I really didn't. Just I knew something had happened. And she said, well, then let just let it happen. So we went, we had senior class prayers after that. So I went downstairs and just in the ladies' bathroom getting ready. And, and all of a sudden, from the inside, this old Pentecostal song rose up. And it was, he's all over me and he's keeping me alive, keeping me alive, keeping me alive. Well, he's all over me and he's keeping me alive. Jesus is keeping me alive. And it's like, that was his message. <laughs> it's like, I'm here. <laughs> and it was just all of a sudden, because it bubbled up, like Pastor says, from within, 
I knew it was the Holy Spirit and it was real. So that was my experience going into revival. Otherwise, I was as dead as a doornail, even though I had the Lord within me. So, Lord Jesus, <laughs> sweep in this place. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for all that you have done here over all the years, Lord. And we are here. We are ready for you. Okay. Isaiah 56. I just felt led to share that with you. Impressed. Okay, so we're going Isaiah 56, chapter 6. Now, he is talking to the Jewish people, but listen to verse 6. Also, the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Um, so it, let's turn now, hold your finger right there, and turn to Mark chapter 11. When I was at YWAM uh, several years ago, one of the assignments for that time frame was to read through the Gospels and look, as you read, for certain topics. And we're talking about one of them tonight. So let's turn. I'm being mysterious for a little bit, and then I'll... Then I'll but you may catch on before I tell you, but... Okay, I'm looking for Mark 11... Verse 17, and he, meaning Jesus, taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? So the, the, Jesus said this um, after he cleansed the temple, which is significant that, again, he's sharing with them the word of God from their own prophets. So in Isaiah 56, there, um, Isaiah is saying, the Gentiles, the strangers, are going to be coming in because God's desire is to have a house of prayer. And we are his habitation. And so that is one thing. A lot of people that I know, whether they're Christians or not, believe in prayer. And I've heard it said, and you have too, that even the atheist in a foxhole will begin to believe in God because he'll be praying, or she. And this is something that's common, but not a lot really know how to pray. They just, you know, share what's on their heart, which is prayer too, to the Father. But we're kingdom people. And so to know a bit more about prayer what it means to the Lord, how it expresses itself through us and to the Father and from the Father and answer. So we're going to kind of look into that. So I want to ask the children something. You ready? I want you to show, show me four fingers. Okay, there are four things that are really easy about prayer. And I heard somebody talk on the radio about parents praying with their children at night. So let's learn these four things. It's really easy. I bet you'll remember. You ready? Number one, say after me, I love you. 
okay? We're talking to God. I should have said that first. So we're telling God, God, I love you. Say it again, right? Number two is going to be, I'm sorry, God. Okay. Number three is, please, God. And number four is, thank you, God. And that's as simple as prayer can be. I love you. Remember it? I love you. I'm sorry. Please. And thank you. So we're telling God he's great and we love him. And we're sorry if we remember things that we've done that are not so great. And then we're saying, please, can we have that? Whatever, <laughs> whatever is on your heart, please, can I have that? And then we say, thank you, God. Thank you for showing me lots of stuff and giving me lots of stuff. Okay? And just like children, we can ask anything on our hearts. We can be persistent with confidence that we're going to get an answer. We can put our father's glasses on and see his kingdom, what he might want. We can bring our needs to him and say, please, can you help us with this? We can be obedient out of love for him. That's a big one. And we can receive from him out of trusting that he's a good God and a good father. So it can be as simple as that, and it is. And um, the person that was speaking this morning, I think its name is Paul Kendall. We, we know Rick Kendall. I know him better. But Paul Kendall spoke about praying with your children and how often as adults, if we've not heard our parents pray at night, then we're awkward. We feel awkward praying with other people. And uh, I still remember my mother teaching me the Lord's Prayer in Greek with a plaque on the wall that I could read. And it's a, it's a very special memory every night we would say it. I remember half of it. I won't bore you with the Greek. <laughs> but I still remember some of it. And it is a precious memory. So, all right. So we want, we want more, though. We, we want to do something. So I'm going to go with you into John, the Gospel of John. And what I'd kind of like to do God helping us, is go through John 14, 15, not the whole thing, but John 14, 15, and 16, and, and kind of saunter through these chapters, especially where he's talking about prayer, because there's prayer in each one of these chapters, and it's really an awesome thing. So since I know you're here and you want the word, let's go do it. So... And if you have any comments to make, you're welcome to speak them out. So we'll go to John 14 first. Let's hit verse 6 first. Jesus, and I'm using King James, so if you have another version, I'll try to keep you on track with the verses. John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. And Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. So I'm stopping right here. I want us to imagine, picture. This is the Last Supper. So he's got all of his disciples around him. And Philip asks the key question, show us the Father. 
and I can imagine a hush coming on all the disciples, and it's like they really want to hear this answer. And Jesus says, now think of it this way. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. And don't think of Jesus. This is the Father, in my opinion, answering him. Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? It could be Jesus saying that, yes, and it was, obviously. But I really feel as though, you know how sometimes when you're sharing with someone and you, and you know there's an anointing on something that you say, and you know it's the Holy Ghost speaking. It's your voice and your thought, but it's really him through you. And that's what I believe happened here, right? So the Father is saying back to Philip and to us, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? And then Jesus, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? So now I'm going to go into verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. That's kind of where I get that, that it's the Father speaking right there. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. And this is, again, Pastor Tom spoke on Sunday about being in Christ, being one, being in union. And this is part of what he's saying, that the Father is in Jesus, and Jesus is in the Father. And if you believe Jesus, that's good that he's in the Father. But if you don't believe Jesus, believe him for the work's sake. And that's going to be significant in the ones that we see coming up. So now I'm on verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. All right, so I'm going to stop there. So in verse 11, Jesus is saying, you can believe me right off the bat that I'm in the Father, or the works are going to demonstrate to you that the Father and I are one. And so what does he say? Now, we can do the same works. What is it going to demonstrate? The same thing. Jesus Christ in us, doing the works through us by his Holy Spirit. Now, I want to read 12 and 13 together because there's a one little word in verse 13, and it connects the two thoughts. So, verse 12 again. Truly, truly, is verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. This is Jesus' whole purpose, right, that he glorify the Father, and it's our whole purpose that we glorify God with our lives so the works that Jesus did, he wants us to do. And look at how we do them. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, or as presenting all that I am. That's when we say, Father, in Jesus' name. We're presenting before the Father all that Jesus is. 
I mean, how many times have you seen the lists beginning with A and ending in Z of everything that Jesus is to us? So presenting all that Jesus is, we ask the Father and we receive from him so that the Father can be glorified in the Son. Now, 14 and 15 in my Bible is split with, with like a title, but they're really one right after the other. So let's read those two together. And if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Okay, if I ran roughshod through that and just was reading it, it was like, okay, great, I got it. But I didn't, because what it's really saying, if we ask anything in Jesus' name, Jesus will do it. If I love Jesus, whatever he asks me to do, I will do. This is kingdom prayer. This is where a lot of people miss it, you know, because if we do love him, we will keep what he says to do. And if we don't keep it, we can ask him for forgiveness and receive that kind of cleansing that puts us back in right standing with him. So those two thoughts, the Holy Spirit works through prayer and kingdom prayer. So if we love him, we will keep his commandments. And if we ask for anything also, he will do it. And I want to share with you, and this we're going to see more. There's another section where Jesus says, this is what I'm commanding you. And this word in the Greek and the Hebrew both mean enjoin, E-N-J-O-I-N. And that is a very precious word because it's like in the very, very beginning where God commanded Adam. It actually means, and I'm going to give you four parts of the word command or enjoin. It is authoritative direction. Yes, it is because he is God. Yes, it's because he's Lord. It's authoritative. It's a direction. Do this. But it also involves urgency. There is something of, I want you to get this. This is important for you to understand. And then there's, that's the second, authoritative direction, urgency, Counsel. How many of us really desire to have that kind of counsel in our lives? This is the way to go. This is the way I'm showing you. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. This is the way. So it involves counsel, that command. And it also involves concern for our well-being. So with those four things, authoritative, yes, um, urgency, counsel, and concern, that's his command to us. So to obey it is not difficult. All right, so how are we doing, okay? <laughs> we all right so far? All right. All right, now the rest of chapter 14 does talk about being in Christ, namely that the Holy Spirit is coming to indwell them, and more about loving God. So let's look down at verse 30 of chapter 14 and 31. Jesus is still talking. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Praise God. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. So we have the example. We have Christ in us who is willing to do 
the Father's goodwill and give us the ability to do it. And that's what Pastor Tom was talking about on Sunday. He is in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Okay, so let's now we're going on to chapter 15. And we're going to start talking about fruit because that's the natural result. I mean, I can't bear pears if I am an apple tree. But if I'm an apple tree, I'm not going to try to bear some apples. I'm going to draw from the roots and allow the apples to come. So even the fruit of the Spirit comes as we stay in him. Well, we'll get that. Let's, let's go on into John 15. Let's go verses 1 through 3. Jesus talking, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And the word does that, doesn't it? The two-edged sword will cut us free from things that are hindering us and also bring more fruit for us, more clarity, more strength. Okay, so verse 4, abide in me, here's the key, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. And I love the word abide because in Greek it's meno. Now to you that doesn't mean anything, but when I was a little kid, it meant I live in this house. This is where I meno. <laughs> this is my place. And I think of Psalm 91. He that dwelleth, meno, stay, live in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So I connect these two, abiding, living. The word um, actually means stay, um, but it can be used in different ways as well. But it, it like dwelling, it, that's the whole basic meaning. This is where you live. You get comfortable here. This is where you actually are all that you can be as in that place of abiding. All right, so now verses 5 and 6. I am the vine, Jesus said. You are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For with me, without me, ye can do nothing. So I, this is my future. This is our future. Fruit bearers will abide, will abide in him and bear fruit forever. Just the, the and that goes on into verse 16. We'll hit that in a few minutes here. He that abideth in me and I in him, verse 5 again, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, that's a huge if, these two, 6 and 7, ifs, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. Here's prayer again. You thought I forgot, huh? He shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. And look at verse 8. Herein, or, or by doing this, by abiding in him and his words abiding in us, and we can ask what we will, and it shall be done. Herein, in that, that way, is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. 
So he wants us to be a dwelling place where there's prayer and there's fruit, there's results to this prayer so that Father will be glorified. And then notice it says, so shall ye be my disciples. If you ever question whether you're a disciple of Christ or, you know, a true follower or just someone that believes in Jesus, then you'll know that it's the prayer and staying in the word and asking according to his will that we become disciples. And part of this too, think about, I, I just realized our Father, when, when anyone repeats our Father who art in heaven, that's the word. They're praying back to the king in the king's own language, which is another key for kingdom people, that we take his word and you, you can look up whatever need you may have. Look up a word and find it in the scriptures. Find your scripture and pray it back to the Father and say, Father, according to your word, make it you, not, you know, okay, the Father will give you thus and such. It's Father, you will give us thus and such. Um, all right. So our future is filled with fruit as we stay abiding. And we will glorify God as we have the word dwelling in us so that we can ask whatever we want because we will treasure him and his word. Okay, verses 9 through 12 I have here. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. All right, so the word continue in Greek, meno, live, abide in my love. So he's saying, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Continue, live, abide in my love. Then he tells us how. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. You know, simple, right? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we wrestle. Sometimes we don't. But he is such a good father, full of mercy and loving kindness, and he helps us. That's why he's living in us after, after 53 years of him living in me. I am finally convinced he will never leave me or forsake me. <laughs> you know, hopefully it doesn't take that long for you all, so just take it from me. <laughs> he isn't going to leave you ever, ever. So, um, okay. Where are we here? All right. I'm going to start with 10 again. Oh, no, with 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain. Guess what that word is? Live, abide, meno, that my joy might live in you. So he's got lots of different English words for the same Greek word for that. And what I like about this is first he says, okay, if you love me, keep my commandments, but then he wants the joy of that. You know, when it's a struggle to keep his commandment, but after you do, there is joy. There is a result after that. Sometimes it's a struggle to get through the obedience part, but then after that is the joy. And, and, not everybody has the kind of struggle that 
you know, we each have our own little struggles and we know ourselves, but we know that that's not what our true heart is. That's not who we really are. Our heart is to obey the Father all the time. Thank God for Pastor Tom, who taught me that. <laughs> um, all right. So, let me start with 11 now. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment. Remember, it's authoritative, it's urgent, it's counsel, and it is concern. All right, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. I'll say it again, because it's so good. Authoritative, urgent, <laughs> I'm trying to remember it myself, counsel and concern. And that's what he has for us to love each other. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant, I'm in verse 15, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Each one of you little ones here, God chose you. He thinks you're special. He wants you to know that. He chose you, and he has a plan for your life. And he says, I've ordained you, and I did look up the word ordained. It means placed. God has placed us where we are to make a difference, to have his desire in our heart for prayer and to see the kind of results that we need from it. So he's ordained us that we should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should minnow, <laughs> remain. Your fruit should live. Your fruit should dwell. That, that forever, I think, we're going to be seeing the things that God did through us and seeing the people that God affected through us. And it's just going to be joy for, forever. So our fruit should remain, and here we are back at prayer again, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name as presenting all I am, he may give it you. And these things I command you, that ye love one another. And then he goes on to talk about the hatred of the world for us and the persecution that will come if we are true followers. But because he told us about it beforehand, there's a strengthening that we can have. We don't have to be afraid of it. We can just be different from the world and love each other. We are each different, and it isn't always easy to love and know how to love each other within the body, but there is a difference from what the world calls love and how they love, so just keep that in mind. And I think even as the days grow darker, we're gonna see that even more the light that we have in our hearts toward each other and the love. All right, so let's go to chapter 16. And we'll start with verse 22 I have here. So, all right, it's a, it's a trilogy. So it's 22, 23, and 24. 
And ye now therefore have sorrow. And he's telling them he's going to die. But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day, after the resurrection, or on the resurrection day, ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. That's about three times, I think, right? That he says the same thing. Ask whatever you want, and it will be given. So his uh, prayer is a three-letter word, ask. (laughs) Right? So we have resurrection joy, and there is a fullness that he wants for us. Here's verse 24. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Okay, so he said, your joy no man takes from you when you find out that I'm resurrected from the dead. But if you ask the Father and he gives you answers to prayer, your joy is going to be full because of the resurrection. We have a living Savior. Hallelujah. Just to remember, you know, as we're praying for all these things that seem so big and mountains and, you know, all these things. It's like nothing, nothing. It's like in The Chosen, if you've seen this portion where John is in prison and he's talking to Andrew and Andrew's got a look of worry on his face. What can we do for you? How can we, you know, what, what? You're in prison. He says, this prison is nothing now that he is here. So I, I think of that, the joy of resurrection to carry that with us and then just live out, live it out and, and, Pray and see the answer. So now 25 through 27 in John 16. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father and I'm come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Let's focus on 27 for a little bit. It's so good. Actually, you know what? Turn back to chapter 14. This is a lesson God taught me a while ago and it relates directly to this verse. In actually chapter 13, verse 37 and 38, right before 14.1. Now, many of us know that the, the numbers and chapters in the Bible were put there to help us find verses, but they weren't there in the original. So I'm gonna go straight from 13 into 14. So here's what happened. Peter said unto Jesus, Lord, why cannot I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And I think this is the heart of every Christian. They just want to love God with all their lives. And if it means dying for him, so be it. So here's Peter saying very sincerely, this is I, God, I'm gonna die for you. And Jesus says, Great, I'm so glad. Good job, Peter. No? Oh, okay, let me read it. Always go back to the word. You really can't, you know. Okay, Jesus answered him, 
Will you lay down your life for my sake? Truly, truly, I say to you, the cock shall not crow till you have denied me three times. But look at the next verse, which is really 14.1. Let not your heart be troubled. Wait, wait a minute. Wait, back up. <laughs> you just told me that I'm going to deny you three times, not just once. And now you're telling me don't let your heart be troubled? But then look what he says. You believe in God, believe also in me. That's all Jesus is asking us to do, is to believe in him, that when we fall, believe in him, that his word says he'll forgive us if we confess, that if we go to him, that he will help us. And that's exactly what I'm reading in John 16, 27. For the Father himself loves you, because, not because we're so good, not because we do everything he asks, not because we are just such a wonderful example of the follower of Jesus, but because you have loved me, Jesus says, and have believed that I came out from God. Okay, I, I hear you. I hear you in your head. You're saying, wait a minute, if we love Jesus, we'll obey Jesus. That's true. But our hearts do love him. And sometimes it takes him to convince us. And this is what recently happened to me. He brought me back to an old memory that was painful. And he has healed much of this old memory. With, it dealt with my father. And yes, I'm you know, way past 10 years old. <laughs> but in this, and he's progressively healed me of this one incident. And he, and he said to me, Mary, you do love me. It was your father's way of correcting you. So I guess I'll have to explain a little bit. So what he said was, I had disobeyed him, and my mother was in the room, and she said, Mary, your father told you to do something. And my father turned to my mother and said, that's all right, Helen. She never obeys me anyway. And it seemed simple, but I felt my heart drop. It was like he didn't know my heart. That wasn't my heart. I wanted to obey him. And he didn't understand. So God was trying to show me that my father's way of disciplining me at that point was through words. But he didn't know the pain that would have caused me. So in the progression of how God taught me to forgive him was to understand, yes, it did hurt. And yes, what I perceived it as was wrong. That, 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 my father not understanding my heart, okay, I'll put it that way, that he didn't understand it, he didn't try. It, he was sick at the time. I mean, there's lots of excuses that I can give, but let me give you this, this little hint, how I escape bitterness, <laughs> all right, is that to excuse someone for what they did to you that hurt does not work all the time, all right, maybe for some it would, but for me it did not. I had to see that, yes, to have someone misunderstand me, hurt me, because Jesus showed me himself on the cross, what they were doing to him hurt him. It wasn't right. It was, a, it was injustice being done to him. But he chose to put it to the side and forgive and release. And so, okay, yes, what my father did hurt me. God didn't mean it for it to hurt me but it did, and so I can say, all right, Father, I release my father. 
from not understanding me. I wish he had. It would have been wonderful. But you love me. So that's my new, that's my belt of truth now. You love me. And even if people around now don't like me, and I'm still working through some of that, like at work, you know, there's a coworker, I'm not sure she likes me. It's like, okay, Lord, I would like her to like me. But if she doesn't, it's still okay because you love me and I'm drawing from that. So that's my lesson on bitterness and how to get rid of it. Thank you. I love you too. Hallelujah. All right. So 25 we were at in 16. Okay. Let's read those verses again. 25 to 27. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name as presenting all I am. And I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you because you have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. So we've been talking about prayer, and I think it's interesting that chapter 17 is his prayer to the Father. So we have a little time. Would you like to go home and read this on your own, or should we read it here out loud? Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, we could do both. All right. I like that, Annette. (laughs) All right. Let's read it. And whatever, Holy Spirit, just show us what you want us to see individually. Thank you. Chapter 17. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one, as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. 
Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world." I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but thou, thou, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me, may be in them, and I in them. Amen. Amen. Anybody want to share something that stuck out to you in all of that? And if not, that's okay. I can share um, one thing, I think. Let's see if I can find it again. Well, maybe it's, there's there's such a dearth of truth in the world, and here he says, says, sanctify them, set them apart by your truth, by your word, the kingdom living, you know, the kingdom disciples. So that kind of stuck out to me too. I like the amount of time he spent praying. Yes. For for the the tape, Ben just said he likes the amount of time as that and, yeah, and that he spent. That he he communicated how much the father loves them, right. and that. For the Father's love to remain in them. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Just inspires, you know, inspires me to be mindful to pray for others. 
Mm. To pray for others. Yeah, yeah. To spend time in prayer. Mm -hmm. And in Bible school, they did teach us. Of course, this is Pentecostal. But, you know, you had the old timers, what we call old timers, and they would demonstrate as they prophesied and all kinds of stories of, you know, knowing things in the spirit. And so it was pretty wild, but they had us, as we had a ministry, we were required to have a particular ministry once a week, and we were required to fast one meal, one lunchtime, and pray together for the, the ministry. And I just, I never forgot that. That was always a key time where we saw things for, for the ministry in the spirit. So anyone else want to share? Thank you, children. I love you. <laughs> Doing well back there. And children. <laughs> and children, me too. <laughs> All right. You want to lead us in prayer at the end? Okay. Amen. Thank you. the kingdom of God and his